0: This is How Do You Engineer, your human-powered engineering podcast. I'm
1: a host, Peter Merton.
2: I'm host, Abby Desjardins. And I'm a host,
1: Simon Whitmell. Uh, and I'm a guest, Victor Agushila.
2: Yeah. Uh, we did This Is This Week. Last week we had the whole discussion about how it was welcome to. I instantaneously forgot again. <laughs>
1: and so I was like, okay,
2: I'm
0: just going to go with one of them. So. You didn't even have three weeks to forget this time. Yeah. I don't need it, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I can forget almost instantly. All right. So So Victor's here. Mm Human-powered. Victor's here to talk about human-powered vehicles. Woohoo. Bikes that go super fast, helicopters that don't go super high, but (laughs) are human-powered.
2: But are
1: human-powered, so it's cool. And they sometimes don't break. It's amazing. They
2: sometimes don't break. They float above the ground far longer than humans normally float above the ground. (laughs) And not with the greatest of ease. (laughs) (laughs) The man on the flying. It does kind of look like a trapeze. Is that the video you showed me with like the crazy gossamer wings kind of thing? Yep. All right. I'm looking forward to hearing about that. That was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. It was pretty cool. All right. But before we get to that, let's, uh, let's engineer something. So we just had like a crazy snowstorm outside. It would took me yeah. like three hours to get to work today. Yep. Yep. It's super cold and super snowy and I don't have snow tires. So I have fun.
0: That's a problem on the road.
2: I had snow tires. So it just made out, made me annoyed at all the people who didn't have snow tires who are going like 30 kilometers an hour. Yeah. You were angry this morning when you got in. <laughs> yeah. No, it was not a good drive. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think we should like we should engineer a snow removal system
3: but, but that 's better than plows because I was behind them for forty five minutes today going,
2: behind the conga line
3: yeah, going thirty kilometers an hour.
2: see why is it a conga line? Conga
0: lines are a single file i don 't know it 's not a conga line. it 's it's like it 's like, like
2: a cancan line or uh oh what 's the kind uh, of. no isn 't it like the don't you, that's a conga liner. Right? yeah
3: yeah but you're all behind each other
2: okay but they're okay but they're following each other down the road they're I, just kind of i think this is probably not what we want to focus on <laughs> <laughs> i think i think the idea is to make it sound more friendly so you get less angry at them when you're behind uh, them fair. on the highway okay so anyway. let's,
3: let's do that better <laughs>
0: My first question was, are we going to remove snow from all of the roads or the highways or your driveway or like, what's the scope of snow? Is it just
2: universal snow removal? Well, I mean, like, is your driveway, you could do like a heating system and under heated water under your driveway or something, but yep. then you're just like shifting it out onto the road and you have a nice big ice patch thing to your road. Mm-hmm. And I think we can do it cheap, more cheaply. More Cheap-ity. cheaply. Is, more cheaply. Chi- is cheap the the goal or is like cool the goal?
3: Always cool. So I think we should Whoa. go
2: I think we should go with lasers. Like spinning lightsabers? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, so, th- so it's di- directed plasma across your driveway. <laughs> <laughs> make sure poor, your, your
1: poor children
0: <laughs> make sure neighborhood children and dogs are not like hanging on the driveway when you turn it on they won't for long yeah <laughs> it's I'm, an everything removal system it's not just snow, <laughs> everything is off your driveway
2: okay i think the like like your driveway is kind of a, a minor problem compared to the road so i yeah. think road clearing is where we should focus highways yeah i think and highways byways. have yeah. you seen those like i don't know who what country they're made in but you see them at the airport they're a uh, they're a snow removal truck that It's got a big scoop on it and they go down the the runways at like 60 kilometers an hour and they just scoop all the snow up into the inside and it melts it inside the truck. Oh, cool. Hmm. Have you seen those? They're really, really cool. What does it do with the water? uh it's just got a tank i think inside oh, because okay. it, it only has to it has to do one run they got three or four it sprays of
0: them. it behind to make it <laughs> ice
2: <laughs> yeah no, they, like they, they shut down the runway and they have like 30 seconds they can have the runway closed and they'll just like all the trucks run and they do one run of the dr- runway at like 60 clicks that's crazy and then they get off and they dump the water off but it's gotta be able to like pick up snow and melt it as fast as you can get it off the ground
0: am i wrong in thinking that in iceland all of the sidewalks and roadways are heated Maybe. I mean, they do have like lava
2: just oozing yeah. out of the ground yeah. everywhere. I'm pretty sure they have so much geothermal energy that they just basically pump it through the sidewalks. I was reading somewhere that they grow bananas in Iceland in like, they have greenhouses that they heat with geothermal energy so they can keep it warm enough all the time just to grow bananas. That's pretty badass. Cool. I, like That seems like it'd be a huge waste of energy anywhere else in the world, but there it's literally leaking out of the floors. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So you have a highway. It's covered in snow. What do you do? Lasers. I'm still going for the... <laughs> no no because because then you could you could mount them like on the top of you've already got the big light standards whatever the lampposts and for like the big highways like the the, the 400 series here in ontario they've got they've, they've got the gigantic light stands so they can mm-hmm. see a huge amount of highway from each of those yeah. so it's just like a scrolling yeah. laser beam that maybe yeah. like maybe. goes around cars
0: and
3: personal Scrolling laser beams that you hook up to like the front of your vehicle, and it goes beep, 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 in your lane. So it just with the, the sound the effects,
0: the ice and snow in front of your tires. Yeah, that's
2: kind of cool, actually. Mm. That's yeah. cool. Why
3: clear the entire highway when you only need where you're driving in?
2: Although that has to move really quickly. You could do like with the with a stationary laser, it could just constantly be working its way across, and it clears the whole area it can see just sequentially. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like you're going in your car, you can only you gotta be able to clear snow at again like. Whatever, sixty
1: hundred kilometers an hour. We're not worried about health and safety, are we? No, never. <laughs> but if you're only clearing in front of your tires, your car will kind of get stuck on snow with its underbelly.
3: Yeah, right? you need some sort of, kind of like of initialization, like <laughs>
2: pew
3: underneath. I keep using noises. <laughs> <lasers. laughs>
2: These are the noisiest lasers ever. We, we, we've been uh, we've been indoctrinated by the Star Wars movies. Those yeah, yeah. lasers yeah. go pew. Um, Okay, I, I, we could also do. I, I liked the plasma idea too. What about beet juice? Oh, I read about that. Yeah, like beet extract. Yeah, it has a it has a very uh, low freeze point. But I think that that'd only be as good as like what? having a big tank of like salt water on your car that's sprayed in front of it too. Like,
3: yeah. So you just you're thinking just spraying beet juice everywhere? Yeah. Or beet juice like no, concrete like sprinklers or cement on the
0: side of the highway. So there's just like like a built-in sprinkler system. Of beet juice was like this
2: is the sound capturing your sound effects with different sound effects,
3: see, but that actually has a sound effect, so that's logical
2: that's the sound of beet juice
3: um
2: okay, How about you have the entire road, and it's all uh on a central pivot, and every once in a while the whole road flips over, and you get a new road. And then, under, and underneath it, you've got passive heating, but then you don't have to worry about ice because it's melting off the bottom of the road. Yeah. And then that part is clear, so once more snows, it just flips over again. What if you just cover all the roads with a roof? Yeah.
1: Uh, but if, then you have to remove it off the roof. Or the yeah, you roof get, get snow-loaded a lot. Well,
2: that would probably not be a good idea. Especially because, yeah. I mean, you got those six-lane highways. Can you imagine the truss system you would need to get a... It'd be like... Or you'd have to have posts in the middle of the highway, which is just asking for trouble. For some reason, he said the trust system. its lots of trust. I, you got trust the ceiling doesn't come down. It, it's held up by faith.
1: What if you don't try to take the snow away, but you're kind of like compressing it and make it into a road surface?
2: So everyone oh. just has to have, like, spiky tires, and then you just – it's like a snow road Or you cover course. it with gravel to just make it into, like, a dirt road. Yeah. That, that was a thing for – you see pictures from, um like, logging camps and that, where they just had a big – like a cylinder they pulled behind horses and it was just, it just flattened down the snow. You wouldn't actually move huh. the snow. It's not bad. Sounds hmm. good. It's so like, not about the horses, horses and horses, cylinders. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, it's, it's because you're creating, you have ice roads up in yeah. like, Northern Ontario. So and, it's not a
0: bad idea. I mean, the biggest issue with, when you get heavy snowfall, like Boston had last year is that you just know where to put it. Like, even if you clear it, you're there's only so much free space in a city where you can dump it. So if you can repurpose it or not have to move it too far,
2: Well, I guess part of the problem too is like when you have packed down snow, if you don't remove the snow, it packs down and then you get ice, but you get ice. It's inconsistent. Whereas if you like rolled it all flat down, you'd have ice everywhere. Yeah. So you would just have to, I think you'd have to mandate that everyone would have to have like knobbly snow tires. What
0: if you just build a road in front of your car? And pick up the road behind your car, so you have like a rolling road. It so feels like a tank. Like yeah, a tank. Bugs yeah, it's a tank. <laughs>
2: so you're just like constantly putting down road and then picking up road. That's exactly how a tank works. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So everyone needs to have tank wheels on their car. Yeah. There, are, there are retrofits you can get. Like you can buy if you have a quad, one of those quad bikes, you can get a retrofit that puts tank treads on the back.
1: They have those for bicycles too. They're they look awesome. That
2: sounds pretty awesome. Okay, <laughs> yeah. so we so it's a retrofit kit you put on your car that gives yep. it tank tracks on the rear wheels. Yeah
3: how fast can you go with uh
2: how fast do you want to go very fast let's do it
3: but within the legal limits of speeds and yeah things.
2: so <laughs> 98 kilometers an hour <laughs> yes um well i mean that's that's just a material science question then like how you got to make a track that's good enough that doesn't like fly apart i'm sure you could do it with some modern stuff i mean victor can talk all about carbon but i'm sure that you can do it with like neoprene or something well it's yeah because then then that's where cost would come in like cost of doing something on the roads and having municipal cost whatever like you can like you just got to convince the local government to do it convincing individual people to buy it for their cars when they won't buy snow tires half the time yeah peter (laughs) (laughs) what did i do i have (laughs) snow tires they're in my garage
0: they're just not on my car for him, it's laziness, not yeah. Us. It's uh, cold outside. I'm i don't want to, I don't want to stand out there in the cold and put snow tires on.
1: When Especially it, when it's snow outside. You yeah. want to stay in that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> wants to be outside yeah. when on the ground? When it was like 18 degrees at the end of December, Peter just figured it was going to go straight on into spring. He wasn't going to need them. <laughs> I wanted to push my luck. I don't
0: have
1: windshield washer right. fluid either. I'm doing fine. I look forward to driving with Pete home tonight. <laughs>
2: I think that's going to be the problem with our whole, like, having ice roads, is there's always going to be the guy who doesn't want to buy the tank treads. Yeah. But not for long. Or, or he yeah. just leaves the <laughs> <laughs> Natural selection will get rid of them. Well, for that matter, global warming will solve the problem, too. All right. Okay, now, so we got, we just got to build a big dome over all of the the country that keeps the snow out.
3: I think magnifying glasses to melt the snow. <laughs> Giant <laughs> magnifying glasses.
2: Like the one, like in space? Yes. So it's, it's, it's my laser idea. You just want to be further up and you want instead of, space lasers. Instead of and using space lasers, lasers, you want, you want directed, yes. you want, uh, focused light as opposed
0: to, uh, yeah. I could get behind space lasers and so then you can diffuse it. So it's just heating the roads. It's not
2: actually like deathly laser beams from space. Yeah. It just I mean, like heats the area. And asphalt is already, is already good in like heat absorbing. How so. long would it take, uh, like let's
0: say, uh, 20 foot radius circle at 30 degrees to melt ice and snow.
2: I have no idea. You'd have to, the limit would be you'd have to be, you'd have to be able to drive through the beam at a reasonable speed and not like cook the people in the car. Anything, yeah. anything below that threshold. And I think you're okay. Or you,
1: you, buy- you can make cars really shiny
2: ah. and then it reflects
1: off. Yeah,
2: you wrap your cars in like tinfoil to protect you against the like space lasers. Or you you buy like a subscription (laughs) to your own space laser, just follows you.
1: Uh, It's like it's like Uber,
0: but for space lasers. You like. You're going to leave the house and you like call for a space laser and then it like shows up on top of your car and it follows you to work and then it goes and follows other people around.
2: Oh, okay. And then you could, you could do it by, um, like that's one of the things I have always thought was weird was that you never know, you go to leave the house and you'll get off like on some side road and it'll be plowed and then you'll get it to like a big main road and it won't be plowed. And I'm wondering how they decide like what roads get plowed. But if you did it with like Uber or something, then de- they could do it based on number of requests. Oh, yeah. So you can make, like, a democratic, like, smo- snow removal system. They could do that with regular snow plows, and that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. hmm Yeah. But that seems like it would be way cooler if you were calling down, like, the light from the heavens. Well, yeah. It. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but are, are, is it, are we making lasers, or is it a a mirror or a big like lens and it probably
0: starts as a laser and ends up as like a diffuse circle of hot heat yeah because i mean hot, like hot if, hot if you're gonna do circle of
2: hot like the problem with the with the, i use words good <laughs>
0: the problem with the hot mag- circle
2: <laughs> the problem with the magnifying glass is that it's winter so like the amount of time you have that sun that's during the day is pretty like slim it's a nice byproduct it clears all the clouds away
3: but then the people in the space station could see us better and be like hey <laughs> What? It's a magnifying glass. In space. Uh,
2: Serves uh, two purposes. Then it becomes like an NSA thing. They're up there with a camera taking pictures through the giant magnifying glass of people. (laughs) Okay. uh, Yeah, so laser. It's a giant laser in space. because it's night you need to be able to melt snow at night and then you can then you can tune the laser because you can have infrared like lasers that are tuned to the infrared spectrum sure mm-hmm. so I and mean, if you live not, somewhere wasting where, it by lighting up the road
0: if you live somewhere where you don't have enough like crowdsource momentum to
2: pull a space laser over to you then you can just buy a tank and then in the summer you can pay to have it like heat your pool you feel <gasps> that like, would be my, awesome. po- my pool is cold let's aim the space laser at it warm it up <laughs> nice They're like i'm gonna have a party yeah. this afternoon you, like, I can think of so many things you'd be able to call down, like, heat from space. You'd be like, if I have a barbecue, you just sort of, like, lay out a bunch of meat, and then you'd, like, call down the space laser.
1: <laughs> or you just find a field with cows.
2: It can heat your house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be so horrific. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> oh. All right, Okay. Uh, so it's we, we started looking for snow but i think it's just for sort of like multi-purpose space <laughs> laser solved yeah. a lot of problems that you can control using a democrat democratic applicator app controlled system i'm gonna buy one for my house mm-hmm. okay this system would be great until the one day that everyone like decides they don't like that one guy on the street and calls down <laughs> yeah. a space laser to light his house on fire
3: oh
0: <laughs> uh, and how expensive could it be for like millions of people to have their own
1: space laser.
2: I mean, compared to the amount we're paying for plows, come on.
1: <laughs> Actually, I have no idea how much plows. And if you costs. make millions of them, it's cheaper.
2: Yes, it's, it's, it's a, an economy of scale where it's instead of, okay, no, instead of one big space laser, it's a space laser array. Cause you know, like the microsatellites thing, you just send up like thousands of, that's yeah. so thousands of little like pen lasers, but they're all like, they've all got controls so you can point them all at one point on earth.
3: I just pictured them working together like the school of fish and finding nemo
2: (laughs) (laughs) it's just a crazy light show yeah all right i like that i like that plan a lot okay space lasers so now we gotta go talk to nasa and ESA. actually we gotta go talk to um all the people who have private rockets because they're the ones that really get things in space now yep reusable Um, space lasers Yep. future Mm -hmm. rockets into space okay um that's fun i liked that Mm mm-hmm but now we need to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Simon approves. <laughs> this solution is Simon approved. I, my my bar for approving solutions is pretty low. <laughs> we've had some pretty we've had some questionable ones in the past. At least this one we didn't have to resort to time travel or relativistic big ugly guys holding flexible tubes hoses. <laughs> yeah, that was
3: that was a weird episode. Was, all
2: right, okay. So let's uh, let's talk about the reason we're all here now to do a podcast we're here because of victor yes Mm -hmm.
1: victor victor has gathered us here today
2: (laughs) to tell us about victor (laughs) yes
1: Yes. so
2: tell us the story of victor like how where'd you where'd you come from (laughs) first i was born (laughs) yes let's let's go with the more recent history um so how did you get into
0: a point where you could make human powered awesome
1: so I started working. I saw this poster in university that said, hey, we're trying to make a human-powered ornithopter. Um, and I thought it's a joke because they've been trying to make, like, engine-powered ones for a long, long time. Uh, and I'm like, wow, that sounds like a really weird prank to do. I don't get it. Um, <laughs> What's an ornithopter? Yes, uh, an ornithopter you. is a flapping wing aircraft. So it Ooh. doesn't have a propeller or a jet engine, but it flaps its wings, and that's how it gets... Power and thrust. Like a bird. Exactly. Um and then I saw that two of the guys I knew were in the team and they were not really the kind of people to waste their time on weird projects. (laughs) Um, And that really confused the hell out of me. Um, So I went there and yeah, they were trying to make a human-powered ornithopter. Um so I worked with them for about two years on the ornithopter. We flew it, it crashed. We built it again, it flew again, and then it managed to maintain level flight, and we were very proud. Is this like a guy with like wings, like flapping his arms, or? <laughs> yeah, what did it look like? <laughs> so, uh, that was kind of how they were trying to make them in the 1600s, okay. and everybody yeah, thought that, yeah. yeah, everybody thought that if you copy a bird, it's going to work. Yeah. Um, and air is really annoying, cause, <laughs> A millimeter of air behaves very differently than a meter of air. Okay. Uh, so you can't copy a bird. Um, so it ended up looking like um pretty, I mean, I would say normal human-powered aircraft, but they're not that normal. Um, so it's like a model-looking <laughs> plane that's just huge. Um, okay. And the guy rows his legs like a rowing motion, so he does leg presses. Okay. And that pulls strings that bend the wings. And because they're built somewhat smartly, um, they twist (laughs) in a certain way as they're being pulled, and that makes thrust.
2: Okay, so So you fly. So I'm picturing like a giant, almost like a manta ray,
1: only stretched really wide. That sort of Um, like swims through the air. uh, Yeah, close. It looks like a very big uh, glider with very flexible wings that keep moving. Okay,
0: and And underneath there's a guy inside a little pod doing leg presses.
1: At what level like, yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> Feel the burn. So I can't keep up with it running oh, wow. uh, but almost. Oh. So it's very, very slow. Yeah. Uh, I can keep up with it running when it lands, because I like my job was well, flight testing to catch the wings. Because oh. it only has one wheel.
0: <laughs> to catch the plane.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you have three guys. it has one wheel, so when it touches down, you need three guys, one for each wing and one for the tail
2: right? Oh, cool. to catch it. And this is, so. like, it's it's a very uh,
1: delicate construction, yeah, well, this thing it like It's, it's got to be made of almost um, nothing Foam, mostly, oh, okay. uh, mm-hmm. carbon fiber, uh. Uh, lots of mylar film mm-hmm. uh, So it's all pretty much transparent oh. And it weighs, I think it was 120 pounds Okay uh, And it's as big as um, uh, three, uh, 737 Oh, wow Wow So it's really, really, really light yeah and you have to find days with no wind because as soon as you have wind you're just losing control Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah the thing just starts to twist and go all over the place pretty much like (laughs) it crashes right away pretty much so
0: before we get any further because we're getting into some projects now and i've seen this come up a number of times with stuff that you guys have worked on the first question people normally ask is what is the practical purpose of building this thing so maybe we should get that cleared up first off and then
1: Mm. talk about the other cool stuff um so the way we see it it's kind of like any other sport. Um you do it because one you enjoy it, uh two you want to see how good you can get at it. Uh and three you're learning awesome things from it.
2: So is this like a competition like there are other teams doing this or is it more like
1: For most of our projects fun? yes. Okay. Uh for the helicopter there were teams doing it for mm-hmm. and for the bike it's like a whole sporting event where right. people meet. For the ornithopter nobody thought you can make it. Oh. Um, so nobody really had any sort of organization to check if we've done it or not, so we had to find ways of proving we've done it. Find um, someone
2: who is willing to come and be and like adjudicate
1: exactly yes, yeah. and that took a bit of work to find that person and make them like find somebody who is internationally known and so on so who who ended up adjudicating that um so it was a representative of the FAA oh cool yeah that came from France to look at it and make sure oh, wow. we're not faking and all that big <laughs> stuff yep it's flying okay <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah
2: well and that's, that's a big question because it's you see all the I, I'm picturing the like the old timey video joke thing with a guy jumping off the cliff and flapping his wings. I mean, oh like, yeah. Okay. Now you got to have the guy there to actually say, "Oh no,
0: yeah. he did actually fly." <laughs> yep. And a lot of people have like immediate concerns when they see the video because they're like, "Oh, it's a glider." Yeah. It's like, no, it's
1: not and a glider. It's, ver- like it's-, it's very close to. <clears throat> it's very close to a glider. Uh, it's just able to keep its altitude and velocity at two different points so that means it flew in between um and yeah i mean there's a few things with the video everybody complains that this thing doesn't take off by itself um and we have to pull it with a car uh, Mm. to get it in the air um and that's because when you're flapping your wings the body of the plane keeps moving up and down Mm. and if you try and do that anywhere near the ground uh it's not gonna be good it's also the same with
0: a lot of the like old school nasa experimental planes like you don't take off with them yeah they're
1: attached to a different plane and you drop them and they fly around and then they i I think it's i think a lot of people just expect everything engineers do to be practical yeah instead Mm. of just cool or just (laughs) amazing or just learning from it yeah so yeah but we don't really try as much to tie it to an obvious this will be applied in the next generation of planes and make them all like, <laughs> flap their wings or something.
2: Yeah. We're, we're not going to see wing flapping planes. We're not going to see mm, probably
1: uh, not. commercial ornithopters anytime soon. Uh, drones, maybe. Mm. Um, military mm. drones, they're looking into it because it makes you very, very maneuverable. If you can keep moving your oh. wings like a bird mm. and birds can do ridiculous things in the air. Oh, okay. So maybe that might be a place, but yeah, really probably, it's you're, because you're learning cool things from it. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: See whether see what's possible. Yeah. Okay, so there was the ornithopter was first, so it was the first thing you saw. Yeah. And then then how did you get, what came next in terms of
1: human-powered? So next, I wanted to do a project um, that's a bit easier to play with, because this ornithopter needed 10 people a whole day of testing to try and get it in the air for like 20 seconds. Um, So I found this competition for human-powered vehicles that are basically bikes, um, but they're all recumbent bikes. So you're sitting on your back and you have this whole carbon fiber shell around you. Um, and these things can go, I think the record was 131 kilometers per hour oh, wow. on a flat road. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that looked a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, okay, let's start a university competition for this. Mm-hmm. And that's been going for, I think, five years now.
0: Cool. Mm-hmm. I think yeah? that was in second year that we started.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Pete was part of the first yes, team. Yeah, so it was
0: 2008.
1: Yeah, um, and that was a lot of fun. So seven years ago, actually. Mm. Um, and I was part of it for five years. And um, yeah, we competed with other student teams. And then this year, we went to Nevada mm-hmm. to uh, set the world speed records. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was a lot of fun. Like, we finally set the record. Mm-hmm. Uh, 113. Now I forget it.
0: Aww. Yeah, I know.
1: <laughs> no, it was a hundred. We went and set the world record. I don't know what it was. Just some it doesn't really matter. <laughs> well, the first one we set was one hundred and thirty-seven, and then we wanted to see how much we can push it. Oh, right. And I think it was one hundred and thirty-nine in the end. Wow!
2: So, yeah. so people can so people can imagine what this is. This is like it looks kind of like a little like missile. It's, yeah, you've got a bike inside, but the frame that is it's it's a,
1: a on the a outside hyper it looks yeah it looks just like a missile, and mm. um it's pretty much following the same aerodynamic principles actually
3: mm-hmm. hmm. yeah okay how do you get it started like just like a regular bike sit inside start pedaling or
1: um you need somebody to launch you oh, okay uh, so you need a person to hold you and kind of run with you for a few meters well we built ones with landing gear yeah but and that generally never really the worked. really fast ones you need someone to launch you yeah. oh, okay and the landing gear for some reason always ends up not working. Like it's this big annoying thing that we yeah. keep trying and like would it fails. would it
2: be like a frame that was there and then it like fell away as you got up to speed? It's like or a little kickstand.
1: Some people have that. Yeah. Uh we had always like a little arm sticking out, um that with a wheel and then you would lean on it and try to get yourself upright and it was a pain in the ass. So now we just have a guy launching you.
2: Which I mean realistically, the guy launching you is basically just a kickstand that Falls yeah. away when you get yeah. the speed. With <laughs> yeah. some intelligence. It's a human powered <laughs> kickstand. I was the kickstand to the fastest bike in the world. Yeah. I was um, the catcher. I was very proud. Yes. You were the guy that kept him from falling
0: over at the end. <laughs> yep. yep Victor's like always a catcher, never a pilot.
1: I know.
2: Caught a plane, <sighs> caught a bike. Yeah.
1: I-, I flew the helicopter though. Now I rode the bikes too, but uh, not the latest one because mm. I'm you got not the speed hat. nearly strong enough. Yeah, I have the speed hat. I'm very proud. I have a 50 mile per hour speed hat that's Excellent. actually really slow compared with everyone else <laughs> but i'm very proud of it now
2: this these bikes are they the ones like will you have a set of windows or are you inside with like a can like is it a camera screen
1: um so the first two we made had windows okay uh, and then we realized that they keep fogging mm-hmm. and they're always really unclear and we keep not making good looking windows mm-hmm. uh so then we switched to a camera and that <laughs> so was, does microsoft oh Oh. no because i
2: like i think the most recent one most recent picture i saw i was like there's no windows in that it's just it literally looks
1: like a missile that has a yeah it has a little little wing at the top with like cameras Mm -hmm. and that works really well actually Hmm. uh it makes you really feel very odd inside because it's kind of like a video game right um you can't see out
2: you don't you don't really get a sense of the speed you're going it's really loud yeah Yeah. it's super loud
1: yeah Like, you can't, we tried to have radios and stuff inside, and we could not do anything with it, because nobody could hear wow. what was said, wow. even on headphones.
2: Now, is this the same materials,
1: the film, like a mylar film over carbon fiber, or? No, we only use, for this, only carbon fiber. Oh, okay. Um, because it really doesn't need to be ridiculously light. Okay. So we can just make it, and design it actually for crashing a bit, too. Mm. Because a few times we crashed it and <laughs> when you get off the road at like 110 kilometers per hour, you want to have good materials yeah. around you. Yes. You know? So do you have like a, is there like a roll cage built into it? Yes. Or? Okay. Good. Yes. We have a roll cage and it all acts as a pebble. So it all kind of skips down the road. Mm. It never really hits anything. Okay. Um, and you want the surface to be very smooth and basically just, slide along and you're sliding for a few hundred meters Mm -hmm. um and then you end up in a bush somewhere or something
2: (laughs) (laughs) sometimes in a pickup truck but hopefully in a bush yeah yeah it's a straight straight chunk of road at least you're on so
1: we we try to keep cars away and Mm. like these competitions are all on closed roads without any light posts or anything like that
2: Mm -hmm. yeah nevada would be a good place for that it sounds yeah Yeah, mm -hmm. it's it's not the falling that hurts it's the hitting things that hurts yeah yeah Yeah. well because yeah if you're inside the kit you're inside the body you just slide along yeah That's cool. Mm -hmm. So they said it's 139 kilometers. That's crazy. I, I would would be uncomfortable like driving that in my car
1: most times, (laughs) let alone trying to get to that speed under my own power. Yes, sometimes the like this year the car we had had no problem keeping up with the bike mm-hmm. but before we had times when the car following it was kind of like we're like okay can it go fast enough to actually keep up with this bike <laughs> which is a really weird sort That's of weird problem to, to have yeah <laughs> huh. but so i want to ask how you make a
0: bike that goes that speed but uh, yeah we should probably cover the helicopter first oh, and then yeah. we'll circle back and we'll come back to the bike The how
1: so i think before the main before the latest bike iteration um uh, we saw these kind of last big human-powered project remaining, which was the helicopter. Uh, and this was a competition set up in the 70s mm. uh, to make a helicopter that can go up to three meters high and fly for a minute and don't go further than 10 meters away from where it started. Okay, mm-hmm. um, And all of these are really hard things to achieve with very little power. Mm. So we decided to make it. Uh, so the main problem was to make a helicopter that's big enough because mm-hmm. the bigger it is the more efficient it is um so we made the world's biggest helicopter um <laughs> yeah which is i think about Twice as big as the next biggest one. Okay. Wow.
2: Is the next biggest one also human power? Or is the next biggest one like an
1: actual helicopter? No, I think the next biggest one is a Russian transport one. Okay. One of the big, like the crane helicopters or yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. And this is actually as an area way bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, it weighed like 140 pounds or something like that. So ah. it's all made out of very, very um thin carbon fiber tubes, mm-hmm. which... You can't really grab because you will squish them with your hand. Wow. Um And that was a big deal when we were testing because you had to have people who knew how to handle this thing. Mm. Um, let, so, let, let it land on an open palm kind of thing. Yeah. Like you needed to – there were a few points where you could actually touch it mm-hmm. and you had to make sure everybody knew which those points were and so on. Wow. Um, So yeah, we flew that and after two big crashes, we managed to set the, like, achieve all the constraints. Okay. So that was really awesome.
3: That's cool. What did it end up looking like? Like similar to a regular helicopter? Oh, it looks like a
1: really, really enormous quadrotor. Yeah. Like the size
0: of like half a soccer field.
1: Wow. Yeah. Like, we had to fly it in a soccer field, and we were pretty much running out of room on the sides. Because you... <laughs> like, as soon as it was starting to drift a bit, it was getting close to the walls, and mm. we were getting
2: worried. So, how, how how fast are the rotors on this spinning? Because, like, that size, it
1: can't be going... Very slow. Okay. Like, uh, I'm not... I don't remember exactly. I think it was about 10 RPM. Okay. Um. So this is this is a very sedate looking helicopter. Yes. Yes. <laughs> everything is moving weirdly slow. Um because it starts to kind of spin, so the rotors start lifting, and then when it lifts, it lifts really slowly. Mm. Um and then you notice it's in the air. Um <laughs> and then when it crashes, everything happens weirdly fast. Like for because you have this craft that you've seen it for a year moving really slowly and having all these kind of weird vibrations that you're trying to get rid of, but they're all very slow. Mm-hmm. And suddenly something breaks, and the whole thing is on the ground right away. <laughs> and you're like, what happened? This was... It like, your brain be- is confused. Yeah. You almost forget it's actually could. flying. Yeah, you yeah, just
0: sort of it just like, yeah. looks there, just like a, Like a kid's mobile, it's just kind sort of, like, suspended there, but it's not actually doing yeah. anything. Yeah, That's so like popping a bubble or so something, yeah. something's of floating Yeah, and all of a
1: sudden it's gone. Yeah, it's it, like... Mm, it it's always very odd too. You <laughs> would watch the videos back of the crashes, like yeah. it makes no sense. Hmm.
2: That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. We're so gonna the, put all sorts of videos and photos okay. in the show notes oh, and stuff. Yeah. yeah. yeah yeah i think i've seen i think you showed pete you showed me one of the videos there's there's this one guy because it's it's this big like really sedate looking helicopter and there's one guy in the middle on a bicycle just pedaling furiously and he seems really out of place
1: (laughs) and and it's really weird like when when i flew it i flew it for a very little bit Mm because i don't have enough power Mm -hmm. um but again you're you're putting all this power and you're moving and all of a sudden things start moving like super slowly and it's kind (laughs) of like a wave building up and Suddenly, you're like, I'm in the air, and this is just weird. <laughs> but At that point, are you
0: thinking about everything that's going on, or are you just basically focus on pedaling as fast and,
1: as I, possible? You, you focus on pedaling as smoothly as possible. Smoothly as possible. If you ever stop your pedals, the lines that pull the rotors would go slack, mm. and then everything would break. Oh, okay. um, so you have to never stop your legs. So yeah. even if you're
0: losing, if you're getting tired, you just basically, you're still pedaling, but you're pedaling with less power like you're sort of just you're trying to coast a little bit
1: yeah like when you want to come down you just ease off i I would say 10 percent of power and then you're coming down Mm. but if you ever go to like let's say half your power you would crash right away so that was something that we had to kind of practice and practice Mm -hmm. yeah because you're just just barely passing the threshold
2: of how much power you got to put out to fly so you don't have to reduce it much to bring yourself back down to ground yeah
0: exactly so what would the like factor of safety kind of thing on that helicopter be in terms of classic engineering?
1: Well, given that we <laughs> crashed it twice, uh slightly less than one. Um, <laughs> um, but, well, on maximum power of the pilot, he would break the craft. So he couldn't put as much power as he wanted. Hmm. I think on the power, because we really didn't know exactly the power at which it will reach the height we wanted, hmm. Um, I think we calculated for 1.1, 1. 1, mm-hmm. um, but it ended up being slightly below one because it crashed. Uh, so then we rebuilt it, and then I think it was very close to one actually. Yeah,
2: well, I I, I can't imagine there's much uh, ability to have a safety factor considering it was a problem that was around for 40 years before. I mean, airplanes got
0: generally have a pretty low factor of safety. Yeah, as it is. Mm-hmm. So scaremonger. <laughs> so i mean experimental craft are gonna be pretty tight i would imagine
2: yeah i mean this is this you, this is where you're just you, you're you're trying to squeeze every ounce of yeah. like uh, capability you can You're mm-hmm. you're just barely reaching whatever the one it's basically it's a one-shot <laughs> yeah. deal
0: like you 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 fly it if you can fly it once and have it do what it's supposed to do then
2: you go pack it up and go home but yeah, again, pretty but, much. But again, this is something you're doing, like these, these aircraft are to prove you could, that it's possible, not yeah. so much that it's practical. Exactly. What, what was and the size see, of the Sikorsky prize?
1: Um, 250,000.
2: Yeah. So it's, it's for a prize, but it's,
1: yeah. for, it's for the glory more than. Yeah. The, and it the was, prize. it was also, um, to see what it would take. Mm. Um, I think that was the main thing we wanted to get out of it is to see, okay, what would it take to actually get that to work? So i don't w- know when whether
2: whether the material science and that was at the point where yeah. you could do
1: it and and our understanding of rotors and our understanding of physiology and what mm. do humans need mm. to be able to put that power yeah i mean i suppose with a lot of these
0: i want to call them devices
1: vehicles, vehicles. yeah there you
0: go <laughs> vehicles um if you replace the human with a very low-powered electric
2: motor...
1: Oh, they would be amazing. Yeah. All yeah. of a sudden, you have yeah. a really
0: super useful thing.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah the um, l-
2: limitation of adding a human is creating a really big stumbling yeah. block. But you could exactly. repurpose the same
0: techniques to make super useful, low-cost, high... Well, that's why the, yeah, the yeah, drone makes devices, sense. Yeah.
1: yeah, we had a few, like the control system for the helicopter um, that we made after the one we actually designed didn't work at all. Uh, And then we realized, like, we had all these fancy winglets that were supposed to change the thrust and make it actually like a quadcopter, Mm -hmm. and that didn't work at all. Um, So then we realized that the whole structure bends. Mm. Uh, So we just asked the rider, okay, can you lean uh, and (laughs) bend the whole thing, and that will move the propellers to one direction or the other, and that's how we ended up controlling it. Uh, And that was actually a very new way of controlling quadcopters well, i don't know if it will be useful but
2: well the, I, I was reading an uh, an article not too long ago talk about how like all the new designs for planes instead of having winglets on the end that go vertical the ends of the wings are just thinner and they bend yeah. up during flight and so as you're flying they become winglets but it's the it, it, it's a, it's a, yeah. an aspect that you don't usually want to design something to bend into a whole different
1: shape while you're using it. But what, sometimes once you it's start necessary. It. Yeah. like the, the ornithopter doesn't have the wings, don't have any joints. Mm. They're all just flexible yeah. and they're flexible in the right way. So it bends the way you would like it to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people are getting like, they're learning to use carbon and they're learning to kind of design things with it and they're able to do all of these things, a lot better than just trial and error. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean,
0: a lot of the, like, cutting-edge, high-end vehicles nowadays, like the Veyron and some of the Ferraris have lots of features that bend in the air and give it more downforce and stuff like that, depending on what's going on.
1: Yeah, Formula One started with that, and then very fast banned them all, because they were getting all (laughs) ridiculous. Then they would have, like, front wings that would snap at a certain speed, which proved not to be ideal. (laughs) But... they're they're speed limiters you get to that speed and everything
2: falls apart (laughs) pretty much yeah, no, it's it's an interesting uh, area of design that, that you're starting to see in a lot of places that would not have – if you would told somebody a, de- a couple decades ago that, oh, no, I'm going to design a plane that intentionally its wings bend during flight because that's part of the design. It would have been yeah. – they, they would have been less than impressed. Yes. <laughs> yes. I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> My plane folds in half when you take off. It's even better. Um no, that's, that's really cool. Okay, so, uh, let's, let's come back to the, to the, uh, to the world speed record sure. bike. Mm-hmm. Sure. so what sort of um actually before we get to that so what's your your background what, mm-hmm. what did you go to school for?
1: um so I did uh, engineering science at uh, u of t mm. uh, which oh. is kind of a everything together program mainly for going into research.
2: We were talking today about how mm. I think that you're... I don't know anybody who actually yeah. it through inside I, mean, I, oh, like, okay. I, I know like four people who went in and and ended up graduating from like electrical or mechanical mm. but didn't actually finish an in insight and I was saying you' the first
1: smart thing to do um, <laughs> <laughs> but I stuck with it. <laughs> and then I went and done my, um, PhD in robotics, mm-hmm. trying to make walking robots. Okay. Um, and now I'm done with that. Uh, okay. So I come from a more mechanical mm-hmm. base, like area, and everybody in the team tends to be aerospace and worry about only flight. And right air and stuff like that and i was usually doing all the mechanical parts and be the like g- the guy who makes sure that the wings are where they're supposed to be yeah. and, and making sure there's bearings in the wheel and there's like <laughs> chains and all these other the bike, you were you like need. the guy
0: who would sit with a file and a chain ring for like seven
1: hours yeah i made my own chain ring because i needed to do like a hundred tooth chain ring mm-hmm. um, and i had this big slab of aluminum and <laughs> drilled some holes and then i took a file and the 30-hour drive to nevada i was filing <laughs> teeth for a chain ring it was quite exciting <laughs> <laughs> i actually really enjoy it still have it, that
2: it sounds therapeutic yeah. would, uh, I, i'm not sure exciting would be the term for it but like zen no in the art of human-powered vehicles <laughs> yeah <laughs> zen in the art of chain construction um, yeah. alright. So that it was, and that was the sort of stuff you were doing with the bike as well. Um, like, yeah. Like the I, actual, I
1: was the, well, for the student team, I was the captain for a few years. So mm-hmm. I was kind of running around doing everything. Um, uh, and doing a lot of trying to fit the human around or inside or on top of the bike. Mm. Uh, and a lot of times these bikes, they need to be tiny to make the arrow guys happy. Uh, so they would tell me, okay, make this. As tight as possible, and then there would be a person with feet and chain and pedals and transmission, and I would try and fit everything together with as little so interaction as possible.
2: Is is the uh, is the high speed bike like being an astronaut? Where if
1: you're like over five eight, you're you're disqualified. You can't be the you can't be the bike pilot. <laughs> well, we were we measured Todd. Quite in detail for that bike, because he was the only pilot. Mm-hmm. Our previous bikes were meant for kind of a variety of people, like Pete could fit. I think we had somebody even taller than Pete fit in them.
2: Mm-hmm. Which... How tall are you, Pete? Six, two and a half. Six, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, you could fit most people in there. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Uh, but for this new one, we measured Todd and we made sure, okay, everything fits Perfectly around Todd. So every time he would train and the muscle would get bigger, we would have to file parts <laughs> of the bike and kind of like make sure it's still up to Todd's spec. Um, you had really
0: accurate 3D models of
1: Todd. Uh, we like had. Arti-
0: articulated 3D models that you yeah. Put inside. Yeah, yeah we, we
1: had all these SOLIDWORKS models of people with like bubbles for all the muscles and trying to represent it and see how... Also the movement, because a lot of times it's easy to measure a person, but try to understand where does this knee bone move mm. when you're paddling, and where can you comfortably squeeze the mm. human? Yeah. It's kind of With his particular technique, where does his toe yeah. go when he's pushing in a certain way? And can know? we change his technique if it's like really bad for arrow? Like, how can we bend the person and squeeze their shoulders and all of that and kind of, yeah,
2: fit them in the bike. Can you ride the bike, well, turn sideways. (laughs) No, there are,
0: there are teams that someone's like on their stomach. There are teams where you're lying down, looking up, like, yeah, that, I think one team, the guy's backwards. Yeah. yeah, One, one
1: one guy, he's, he's the craziest person ever. Um, he's riding the craziest face up, going backwards and looking at the road through a mirror. Uh, which apparently the mirror, because it inverts the image uh and you're inverted because you're riding backwards, your brain is fine with it huh. unless you don't think about it. I was going to say, yeah, so, as, as soon as you become aware yeah. of
2: what you're doing, you, I would suddenly become like nauseous. That's yeah, pretty awful. much the, like, the story of riding
0: <laughs> recumbent bikes is pretty much like you're okay as long as you don't think too much about what you're doing. Yeah. Like the yeah. one we used to train on, you had like this weird rudder pole between your legs and you're lying down and you would basically – start pedaling and you'd be fine. And your body just adapts the fact that you're using a weird rudder and you're leaning in different ways. But as soon as you start thinking too much about what you're doing to control it, you fall down.
1: Yeah. Huh. And mm-hmm. a lot of times we would try different steering techniques and we would be like, Hey, can you tell me which one works? And the pilot would be, I have no idea. Like <laughs> this one, I did not crash. So I guess it works.
2: <laughs> but, I guess there'd be a lot of also like feel with that. It'd be what, 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 what do you have to think about the least? Like what feels
1: most yeah. intuitive and, Exactly, exactly. Um, hmm. So, yeah, I was pretty much trying to keep the aero guys happy in making a tiny bike, um, keep the pilot happy, having something that they can actually control, mm-hmm. uh, and keep all my transmission things from interacting with a rider too much. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that was my role. And then in the newest bike, I was in looking at mechanical parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so making transmission and worrying about tires and worrying about general construction.
0: And the thing that people don't really realize with a lot of the bikes that you guys build is that there's a lot of fabrication. Like it's not just like a bike that you would buy off the shelf. You're making chain rings, you're making bottom brackets, you're making wheels, you're making
1: like everything from scratch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and everything has to be within a fairly close spec Mm -hmm. because we try to squeeze as much, like we try and squeeze everything into as little volume as possible. So if your wheel is suddenly... Two millimeters wider. Now you have a problem. Mm. Um, so a lot of these, like, it took a lot of manpower, I would say, and a lot of hours to to get everything together.
2: Yeah, I was really mm-hmm. surprised to hear you say that. Like changes, like physiological changes in the rider would be that big of an effect. Like, you yeah, yeah, I, I don't think I had a good sense of how tight the space he, that he'd be working in would be. I don't know if I could deal with that. That that's making me claustrophobic yeah. just thinking
1: about it. <laughs> yeah, we had a little like sort of plywood torture. Device chamber thing <laughs> that we would squeeze Todd in and kind of have like these big uh, um what they're called um like screws that we would squeeze in the sides oh and see goodness. at which point does his power start decreasing if you squeeze. <laughs> <too much.
3: laughs>
0: yeah,
1: it it's,
3: does sound like torture. Yeah, yeah and, this is
1: the stress test
0: to be like oh God. yeah. And, and the like weird thing is, it's not even in. that. It's like you're you're squeezed into this tiny tube. But you're also going 130 kilometers down the road, and you're working probably harder than you would at any other point in yeah. terms of like exercise. Like it's pretty
1: ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And, and and it's fun like to look at little details like okay, how much air does he actually need? Uh And then it was, <laughs> because any air you let in the bike is not good for aerodynamics. It's drag, yeah. So we had to like we did all these tests where we would. Keep increasing and decreasing the amount of air and see how his power changes. <laughs> <That> sounds horrible. <laughs> I know. I do not envy Tom. Kind of fun. Well, he gets to ride at really high speeds, so. It's, it's, yeah. it's the price of glory. You yeah. have to, yeah. I mean, people went over Pretty the much. falls in like barrels. That's <laughs> true. To get into newspapers. <laughs> to get, yeah, so, exactly. yeah.
2: <laughs> this sounds much less horrible than that, so.
1: No, I, I, that, that would be.
2: I never really thought about that too. That'd be weird having to tune like how much I need to breathe more. We're going to get more drunk.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, it's nice when you look at the human body, kind of like an engineering element, like sort of what do I need to measure on this thing? Cause it's kind of like a black box mm. and it's like, how much, what do I need to measure to understand its behavior and how do I need to design everything mm-hmm. around it and make sure nothing I do decreases the power too much, for example. Yeah, and trying to find the
2: most efficient way to take a system designed for walking locomotion and turn it into a power
1: plant for rotational energy. Exactly, exactly. Which is like it's not optimized for at all. (laughs) No, and also the human body keeps adapting to whatever you ask it to do. Mm. So after a while, you're like, you know, this is quite uncomfortable, but if I train for an hour a day every day… I'll be fine. Yeah. And all of a sudden, your bike is mm-hmm. much better. Um, <laughs> so that took a bit of understanding, too, to see, okay, how much do we need to design the bike for Todd like it's now versus Todd that trains for this? Yeah. <laughs> Todd's going to grow giant quads, and therefore we need to, like, give him more yeah. space. Yeah. We we had to cut some holes and, yeah. like, sand it and make sure his quads have room. But... <laughs>
2: Yeah, that, that video with the guy making toast on the uh, on the bike, his, yeah. his legs he are scary. Yeah. <laughs> I just it's amazing the amount of energy that guy can put it. I think I would have lasted like two seconds at what he was doing. Yep.
3: <laughs> it would be slightly not like, higher make- than room temperature toast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> some
2: slightly warm
0: bread, toasted yep. trisket. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you take uh I mean, I'm trying to think because the bike probably bridged a number of other projects. Like, I think you started with the ornithopter. Yes. And did you use a lot of the lessons learned to build the bikes and then the helicopter and then finally the world championship bike or like, are Definitely. there are there sort of
1: commonalities that you were able to bring through all the different projects? Um, the construction, like we used carbon fiber on everything and we got better and better and better uh, at both building it. So there wouldn't be any bad parts that would need to be get re- remade and also at designing it and getting the part out the way you expect it to be. Like the way you put in the fibers, the amount of glue you put in, all these details, we got better at it. So were you, were you actually making the carbon fiber parts? Like you're yeah. actually hand manufacturing Like okay, wow. oh yeah, yeah, you, you have to make everything basically from scratch for these projects. Like there's no. So do you buy? Do you place. buy like
2: like a bolt of carbon fiber yeah. like fabric
1: and then exactly oh, with cool. different weaves, and they matter quite a bit for the properties you get out of it. Yeah, and then like you can't go to a place and ask, okay, I need. 20 meters long carbon fiber tubes that weigh four pounds. Right. Um, so you have to make them. Huh. Um, and so you're making like mandrels and whatever, like to exactly. put them on and everything? Like we made aluminum for the um, planes. We made aluminum mandrels, mm-hmm. uh, laid the carbon on top, and then used acid to eat them out because we couldn't uh-huh. find a way of removing the mandrel very well <laughs> which was a really weird process of making things yeah, just, but... <laughs> that seems really
2: intense you' just like I gotta go melt out the aluminum that I used to.
1: <laughs> yeah and, and then you're you have to make like for the helicopter we had to make eight wings mm-hmm. which is really intense in terms of making the ribs and making all of that so the lessons we learned in how to make things allowed us to kind of make them better and better. Yeah. And that, well, that would make
2: failure really like painful too, because you're watching, you just watch one of those like tubes snap and it's like, how long did you spend
1: making that one carbon fiber <laughs> or two? Exactly. And then you're thinking, how long will it take me to repair the whole damn thing? Mm-hmm. Um, like once it was snowing outside and we were always loading and unloading these helicopter wings and all of a sudden a big, thing of snow fell Mm. right as people were moving a wing and it just flattened it like everything got destroyed and that i think took us like five days full time to fix everything (laughs) um so yeah you get a sense for how fragile things are i find
2: carbon fiber and i think a lot of people find carbon fiber to be sort of this this mystery magical uh,
1: space
3: material yeah yeah it, it,
2: they you hear a lot of things that are made out of carbon fiber but i don't think that like how does one make something out of like you buy mm. you buy a bolt of carbon fiber how do you yep. turn that into a thing you start with these mythical elves <laughs> and you go and find them they live in the woods
0: and they weave yeah. these like material to make their houses out of <laughs> you have to
1: steal, steal, steal the awesome. elves house <laughs> It's like but a car-
2: carbon fiber cocoon that you live out in, in the woods. Yeah, um, so you,
1: you find the carbon fiber worms that leave like, the <laughs> silk. Um, no, so you buy these things. I don't know how they're made, like how they get the actual fiber, but mm. we buy them and they look just like any cloth. Okay. Um, and then you pour epoxy on it, mm-hmm. uh, and then whatever shape it's in, it's going to harden in that shape. Okay. Um, so what you want is to have a sort of mold that you're laying all the carbon fiber the way you... Like all the fibers in the direction you want, and mm-hmm. the number of layers, mm-hmm. um, and then you put as little epoxy as if it will cover everything.
2: Okay, so you're you're looking for the volume to be mostly carbon, and the epoxy exactly. is just holding it in the shape you want. It.
1: Exactly, and that depending on the weave you get from the manufacturer, they tell you exactly how much epoxy you should put in. Okay, uh, and then you're putting everything under vacuum. Uh, so you're putting this airtight bag on top, squeeze all the air out, and that flattens everything mm-hmm. and what like it consolidates everything into a very hard material with no air gaps okay um and if you and that usually gives you something very strong but flexible hmm. uh, if you want it to be stiff you put two layers of carbon around a layer of core like okay. either foam or balsa wood or hmm. pretty much anything that doesn't crumble
2: okay yeah, And is carbon fiber, like, I know there are lots of, like, materials have different properties, tension and compression. Yeah. Is carbon fiber, like, is it mostly a tension material,
1: or does it still work under compression as well? Um It works under compression, actually. Okay. Its compressive strength is really, really huge unless it buckles. Okay, so you have to make sure it's either in a shape that doesn't. (laughs) It's really
0: huge until it isn't.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and it's very sudden. That's the thing with carbon. With steel, it kind of bends a bit. Aluminum bends, but it doesn't come back. So, but with carbon it just snaps Mm. you get very little warning beforehand okay um
2: so so knowing how far you can bend carbon fiber before like with your flapping your flapping wings you have to know exactly what the range of motion is
1: exactly and we may test where we would break all the uh, spars of the airplane Mm. and see exactly when it broke and how far it is from what we expected to see Hmm. Um, so this is something you can model really well um I would say not very well. Oh, okay. Um one of the guys uh, in the team, one of the co-founders of Aerovelo, um he wrote like his masters was in ways of designing these things. Oh, okay. Um so it's quite a active people are finding new math ways of modeling all these fibers mm-hmm. and how yeah, I, I, you it, have to actually design it. It would makes sense that it's a,
2: a hotbed of development because it seems yeah. that everything is Everything that's fancy is made of carbon fiber these days. Yeah. That's
3: fancy. Well, it's, it's true. You go, <laughs> yeah.
2: you, you go out and you got like, you got boring golf clubs and carbon fiber golf clubs and you've got like boring cars and carbon fiber cars.
0: Was it the, the Lamborghini Centa Sequenti or? Yeah. Yeah. That one has a lot of carbon
1: in it. Yeah. It's a- and it's ridiculous. really like the, the price is coming down, but with all of the carbon stuff, laying the fibers and arranging everything, it's a very manual process. Um, And that's why it's all expensive. Mm -hmm. Like the material itself is not as ridiculous, Mm. but the time of the people to make it is what costs you all the money. It's also a very... Under educated field, like there aren't a lot of college
0: programs or university programs where they're like, Today, this week, we're going to learn about carbon fiber. Like it's, yeah, it's still a very learn on the job or learn by doing kind of field. So you can really easily become an expert and someone who is some like very needed in the field and you, people will
1: pay a lot of money to have you on their team. And, well, I surely hope they'll pay a lot of money because I'm looking all for a the job. Money. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's true. And it's really weird because our team started from Knowing carbon fiber. Uh, when we meet all the other college teams, they all know welding. So all their frames are very nicely steel welded. We use carbon everywhere. Mm. If we need to join two metal tubes together, we do it with carbon. Like it's a very <laughs> weird thing. You make a little carbon like sleeve that yeah, the tubes fit into. Exactly. Which <laughs> is totally backwards from how if you would know how to weld, you would do it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we started from knowing this weird material instead of the normal approach
2: <laughs> so I, I, so the big uh the next big hurdle in carbon manufacturing would be coming up with a way to make it less human related. exactly like you yeah. make it more more automated
1: yeah and they're working on that uh, a lot of bike manufacturers mm-hmm. uh either come up with mechanical ways of making their frames or move it all to china where mm-hmm. it's cheap um so <laughs> that's kind of the direction they're going in now
2: yeah it's interesting cuz uh it sounds like it's it, it is very similar to fiberglass um, yeah. manufacturing and fiberglass has been around for decades and decades yeah. and it's still mostly manually like yeah. you look at you look at boat manufacturers and they're still almost all hand laid hand laying layers of fiberglass and whatnot yeah. so mm-hmm.
1: yeah and looking at how they make carbon fiber sales, it's really interesting mm. um because they have people kind of floating from wires above the uh, mold they're making on just laying all these fibers really carefully (laughs) mission impossible style yeah (laughs) it's really cool like that's an area i would love to look into Good segue. Okay, so let's, yeah. let's
2: let's talk about what you'd like to do. Where, where, where would you where would you see yourself applying this knowledge you've gained in uh, in the future? And I guess also in your PhD in robotics, if you want to do that as well. Well, okay, yeah, sure. Yeah,
1: um, I'm, <laughs> how, how
2: are you going to take these your your passion for robotics and uh, making
1: things out of carbon fiber and put them together? <laughs> um, good question. And that's something that I'm very curious to figure out. <laughs> But well right now, um I'm hoping to keep all these bike things as a hobby. Mm-hmm. Because really unless you're very good at finding sponsors, uh it's hard to make a company from it.
2: Right. Um there aren't too many people out there going, Man, I want to buy this. Yeah, crazy, fast crazy bike. bike
1: that I can't drive anywhere. And <laughs> you need a flat road and a team of five people. and uh, But I'm hoping to look into uh, prosthetics, for example, um, because okay. now they're starting to use a lot of carbon fiber in prosthetics mm-hmm. um, and, their, and other sport equipment, but all, mainly for paraplegic people. Uh, and they're trying to combine it with robotics as well mm-hmm. and make prosthetics that have intelligence and let you do all sorts of cool stuff, like jump around and run and all these things. Um, so that would be pretty much the area I would look into. Mm-hmm. Um, if, like, I find a place. <laughs> yeah. If anyone's hiring. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, we'll have to make, you'll
2: give, uh, give out your, uh, your contact information in case someone yeah. wants to get
1: <laughs> But I think that would be very, very cool. And there's so much now in terms of making robotics into everything mm-hmm. that. I think there's a lot of cool areas that you can combine like lightweight carbon fiber made Mm -hmm. things with robotics.
2: Yeah, the flexibility of being able to make things out of carbon fiber. Yeah.
1: so That's very cool. I don't know. I'm
2: looking forward to seeing great things from you in the future. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, Uh hopefully. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) 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 All right.
2: On that hopeful note, how about we, uh, we'll move on. I've got an interesting, uh, interesting fact for you guys right. for us to wrap up with yeah. new way to sing your intro song. Are, are we going like low, low key for this one? It seems for like a layback. Like, Simon's fun fact of the week.
3: That was okay. nice.
2: Like instead of the screaming one. All right. Um, so yeah, earlier I did, I can't remember what I did, but Abby called me a barbarian and I hurt my feelings. <laughs> because, uh, okay, do you know, do you want to know where the word barbarian comes from? Yes, I do. So it's, uh, I believe it's originally the Romans and they referred to barbarians as people who went like bar, bar. They sounded like sheep. So it's mm-hmm. like, they said, like when, the, especially the Germanic tribes they were talking to, they were like, this doesn't sound like speaking. It sounds like sheep. they're like, bah, 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 barbarians. <laughs> Yep. That's where the word comes from. It's All actually right. rather derogatory. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you hurt my feelings and I have yet to forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, if we've hurt your feelings, <laughs> you can find us on Twitter at how do you edge? Yeah. We've said something horribly offensive. No. Uh, and you can, uh, hit up our website at, uh, how do you dot engineer? And, uh, facebook.com slash how do you hmm and
3: something on pinterest
2: pinterest i think it's just how do you eng. if you just yeah it is everything is slash how do you inch i don't know why we forgot yeah um do you uh, victor do you have a do you have a twitter or do you have something that where people could get a hold of you do you have a pinterest no (laughs) 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 we we, we could we could put something in the show notes if you're so inclined i don't know what the Mm. what works best that way Mm -hmm. fine yeah well you can set up like a
0: a account you want people to spam and okay In case people have questions, I think, I think there are some
2: people who have some interesting questions about carbon fiber. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. I have some interesting questions about carbon fiber. Yeah, but we don't, we don't need to email about it. We can ask (laughs) them once we stop recording.
1: Yeah, I can find an account. (laughs) All
2: right. (laughs) All right. Sounds good. Well, thanks a lot for coming in. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very
1: much.
0: And this was How Do You Engineer brought to you by Oatmeal Cookies.